Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. This week on the podcast, I was originally planning on doing a happy birthday, ask me anything style episode. I posted in my students only Facebook group for people in my SEO Made Simple course and also in the larger unconventional RD community asking people to submit whatever questions they had for me. And my original thought was to answer those questions in a kind of fun birthday celebration episode since my birthday is this week. I am turning 36 this year. Uh, But one of the questions that was submitted was just so juicy that I started answering it. I I went after that one first because I was like most excited about it. And what poured out of me was 15 pages of thoughts. (laughs) So I was like, okay, put a pin in it. Clearly, this is its own episode. And I am actually going to come back and answer the rest of the questions in the actual Ask Me Anything episode next week on the podcast. So what was the question that I was so excited to dig into? Well, this was a question submitted by Marie. She said, my most burning question, in terms of artificial intelligence and the shifting digital landscape, what business model adaptations should entrepreneurs in the online space consider? And this is such a juicy question. And I feel like I need to provide a little bit of context. I have touched on what's going on in the world of AI here and there on this podcast, especially in the episode where I talked about trends to watch in 2023. But I thought uh, before I give my response to this question, I'll give a little background. So for those of you that aren't necessarily dialed into the latest SEO and internet marketing news, AI has been making a huge splash in the digital marketing world in quite a few ways lately. The first big thing that made the news at the end of 2022 was the release of ChatGPT. And if you're not familiar with what ChatGPT is, it's an AI-powered chatbot that can answer almost any question or perform any prompt you give it with a pretty good-sounding response. It was created by a company called OpenAI, and it's currently free with an option to pay $20 a month for more premium access that doesn't cut you off during peak use hours because running AI tools really requires an immense amount of computing power. So when too many people are trying to use the OpenAI tool at the same time, it throttles people's access unless you're on the paid plan. So if you have not checked out ChatGPT yet, I really recommend giving it a try. It is really, really cool. And you can access it at chat.openai.com. And again, it's free. You do have to create an account, but after that you can test it out without having to pay anything. I mean, obviously with the restriction of uh, if there's a lot of users, you might get kicked off at any given time. But if you go on during non-peak hours, you should be just fine. And there had already been other AI tools available before ChatGPT, most notably one called Jasper, where you could feed it prompts and it would spit out responses. But ChatGPT is unique in a few ways. Number one, it has a chat interface where you can basically ask any question or give it almost any command in a very like lay people, easy to understand way. You don't have to enter like really formal prompts in a strategic 
type of like way you're wording it in order to get good outputs. Um, Chat GPT is just a lot more natural. Like you just type in something like you were asking a friend and it will give you a really good response. Number two, Chat GPT is based on a technology known as GPT 3.5, which is a newer, more advanced language model than GPT 3, which most other AI tools were previously using. Although it is worth noting that Jasper has also since released a chat tool for their subscribers that is based on GPT 3.5 as well. Um, But GPT 3.5 was trained on an even larger data set than GPT 3, and it has access to data up to 2021. So it's capable of giving even better answers than GPT 3 was. Number three, ChatGPT remembers your previous questions and the responses that they gave in the chat window, and you can riff off of those. Like if it gave you an answer and you didn't initially really like that answer, you can just say, please rewrite this in a more casual tone. And it doesn't have to like, you don't have to like restate the whole prompt that you started with. When you say rewrite this in a more casual tone, it knows that you're talking about the thing it last said, and then it can can do that. It will just take whatever it last wrote and rewrite it however you're telling it to rewrite it. Or you can be like, hey, summarize that in a few sentences or put this into a table format or write this in bullet points. And it will do that kind of like free flowing. It's like you're having a conversation, like a back and forth rather than just like prompt answer, prompt answer. Uh, So these new chat tools based on GPT 3.5 are super cool and powerful, and many people in digital marketing have been using them in their content creation processes to boost their productivity. And the second way AI has been making a splash is the recent integration of AI tech into search engines like Bing and Google. If you weren't aware, Uh, Microsoft is the company that owns the search engine Bing. And I know you're probably like, "Uh, who uses Bing these days? And it is true. While Bing has been around for 13 years, it only has about 3% of the search market share worldwide, while Google has nearly 93%. So as crazy as it sounds, even though Bing only has about 3% of the market share, they're still technically in second place in the world of search engines. That's just how much of a stronghold Google currently has on search. But this is where it's getting interesting. So Microsoft, remember, they are the ones who own Bing, the search engine. They are a significant investor in OpenAI, the company that created ChatGPT. And they've been investing in OpenAI since 2019. And just last month, they announced that they were doing another round of investing multiple billions of dollars into the company over the next few years. And because of this partnership, Microsoft is in a unique position to be able to capitalize on ChatGPT's technology within their tech products. And in early 2023, after the free launch of ChatGPT went so well, they announced that they would be bringing GPT technology to Bing's search engine very soon. And even crazier is that version of AI that will be integrated with Bing is GPT-4, which is even more advanced than GPT-3.5 that we've been seeing inside ChatGPT and other tools like Jasper. And the craziest part about GPT-4 is that it's actually able to access the web. 
so it will have much more up-to-date data to pull from from ChatGPT, which has only been trained on data up to 2021. So just last week, Bing and Google announced that they would be adding AI features to their search engines. Bing was definitely the leader here, and Google was caught trying to play catch up. In fact, during Google's announcement of their new AI search features that they're working on, one of the sample AI search answers that they were parading around actually contained a factual error that no one apparently caught before using it as an example in their conference. So clearly, they are rushing it right now, and they're not really on their A game. And that mistake caused their stock to go down, and the company lost $100 million in valuation that day. Like, eesh, yikes. But anyway, both companies are still testing and tweaking how exactly this might work, and it's not fully rolled out yet on either platform. But I think Bing is closer to actual release. They have a beta version that you can apply to access via a waitlist, but it's not fully out there in the wild yet. I think their goal release date is maybe March 2023, so that is super close though. But this new um, feature from Bing has been super popular. One million people signed up for the waitlist in the first 48 hours that they made it available. And Microsoft had a pretty genius marketing move because uh, I signed up for the waitlist as well. And after you sign up for the waitlist, a screen popped up and it was like, hey, like, like boost your spot in line by setting the Microsoft Edge browser as your default browser and by downloading the Bing app. And just by putting those two requests in their signup pipeline, the Bing app went from being like the hundred something most downloaded app in the app store to entering the top 10. <laughs> so whoa, it's like a 10x jump from the interest in their AI tech in their search engine. So Microsoft is definitely making some waves here and Google is noticing. In fact, Google actually brought back their original co-founders, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, who have not been an active part of Google for several years now, to consult on this move to add AI to Google search. So your burning questions probably are, what does AI within search actually look like? And again, this isn't fully rolled out yet. So we're kind of working on just examples that we've seen so far um, from Bing, both the official examples that they have provided on their website and also a leak that someone released where they got like early access to the chatbot in Bing. And then they took a bunch of screenshots and posted an article, I think, on Medium. But the way that they plan to integrate AI into search based on these examples seems like it's going to be twofold. Number one, it looks like there's going to be a chat tab added to the search engine where people can ask a question to AI instead of doing a traditional search. So the key point here, at least at this time, is that it's not like an AI chatbot is coming in and replacing the entire search section. You're still going to be able to perform regular web searches like you're used to. But you know how when you're in Google and there are those tabs at the top of the page for like images, video, etc.? Well, now there's basically a chat tab there as well where you can use the AI chatbot if you prefer. Number two, the second way that AI may be integrated is by adding AI-generated answers to your search query in the right-hand sidebar of the regular search results, like where Google currently places knowledge panels. Interestingly, the AI within Bing, like I said, is connected to the internet, and it actually cites its sources. 
unlike the answers that you're currently getting from ChatGPT, since ChatGPT is not connected to the internet in real time. So essentially, the AI will write an answer to whatever question you searched for, and then in any spot in that answer where it pulled information from another website, it hyperlinks that part of the sentence to the place that it got the information. And then if you hover over the sentence that has a citation, a little pop-up appears with the title of the web page that it got the information from and the full link to go to that page. So if you click that pop-up link, it will take you to that person's website. So technically, if people want to check out the actual source of the information or learn more, the link is there in the AI's response. Uh, a lot of people noticed that when Google rolled out their example of AI in search, which will be powered by their own AI tech known as Lambda, it did not show any examples of citations. So that may be an area where Google was caught a little unprepared and they still have some work to do. And while Google announced that they would be adding AI features to search, unlike Bing, they did not give a date for when it might roll out. And finally, Bing also just announced this week that they have plans to integrate their AI tools into other products of theirs, like Microsoft Word and Outlook. So I have a lot of thoughts here about the potential future of search, SEO, and digital marketing, and ways that online business owners can adapt. So let's just dive right into it. Number one, AI is not going away, so we should learn to embrace it and adapt. I do think that this is one of the biggest potential industry disruptors that we've seen in a long time, but it's so, so new, it's hard to tell exactly how it will play out yet. All we can do is stay abreast of the changes and try to capitalize on new opportunities as they arise, trying to kind of toe the line of being cutting edge without risking our whole business. Number two, there has been a ton of debate in the blogging and SEO world lately about whether or not people should be using AI to create content for their websites. Some people have been espousing the benefits of AI and sharing examples of websites on which they were able to publish mass amounts of AI-generated content, gain a ton of traffic, and earn money in a very short amount of time. But other people have shared examples of sites that they thought were being penalized for publishing a lot of AI content, and they've been cautioning people not to use AI at all for their content. And I think, as usual, the answer lies somewhere in the middle. AI is here to stay, and it can be a super useful tool if used appropriately. No, I don't think anyone should be trying to generate entire blog posts with just AI and be clicking publish on them just as they come out of the box without any oversight. AI-generated content is far from perfect, and it requires fact-checking and usually some manual tweaking to make it more detailed, comprehensive, to match your voice, and to make it actually helpful for readers. And for a while, Google was being pretty coy about how they felt about AI content, but just last week, Google released some official guidance on their stance on AI content. They officially said that they do not penalize content just because it was written with AI. They care most about showing helpful, high-quality content to their users, not necessarily how it was created. And the verbatim headline in the article was, quote, rewarding high-quality content however it is produced. And they gave an example that back in the day, 
uh, maybe like 10 years ago or so, there was this burst of low quality, spammy, spun content that was being mass produced by humans with the goal of ranking that content in Google and getting traffic so that they could monetize. And Google said, I mean, in that scenario, the problem was human created content. But not just the fact that it was created by humans, but the fact that it was spammy content being created by humans. But the idea that it was created by humans wasn't the root of the issue. The spamminess of the content was the root. So it wouldn't have made any sense back then to start banning human-created content in response. Instead, they worked hard to tweak their algorithms to not reward this low-quality content. And that's sort of the same stance that they're taking on AI content as well. So the fact that something is produced by AI is not a problem in and of itself. But if that AI content is low quality, then they won't want to rank it. So as long as the content remains high quality, then it shouldn't matter if you used AI to help you write it. But what will this look like in real life? Like, sure, Google's not going to be wasting their processing power analyzing every piece of content published to look for an AI footprint, but will AI content get somewhat demoted in other more automated ways? I was recently listening to an episode of the Authority Hacker podcast where they were interviewing SEO expert Kyle Roof, and in his opinion, he thinks that AI-generated content that is not edited by humans but just mass-produced and published will end up being seen sort of like low-quality duplicate content in the eyes of Google and probably won't rank well. Like if thousands of people ask ChatGPT the same question and they get similar-sounding answers and they just publish that on their site, then the content being published will all sort of end up being the same and won't have anything new or noteworthy inside of it. Google may see this as being quote-unquote low-quality content and just not rank it. And it's not because it was created with AI, it's just more like because it's almost like regurgitated spun content rather than something actually helpful. So what does this mean in practical terms for online business owners? Well, this means that AI is here to help us create content, but not to do all of the work for us. We definitely should not just bury our heads in the sand and ignore AI tools like Jasper and ChatGPT. We should be learning how to use them and integrate them into our workflows to help us produce high quality content faster. And by content, I'm not even just talking about blog content, but also things like social media captions, emails, and sales page copy. Like, think about how many times you've sat down to write an email or create a social post, and you're just like, ugh, I hate everything I'm writing, I can't get any creative juices flowing, and you just kind of put away the project until you're more in the mood. (laughs) Well, AI can help you overcome that by actually writing some content for you and at least giving you a jumping off point for creating something great. I definitely recommend tweaking what AI generates to make it flow better and fit your voice, but it can be highly, highly effective for speeding up your writing process. Uh, In fact, I recently shared how in December, I asked ChatGPT to write a sales email for me, and that AI written email that took like two minutes to create and quickly edit uh, generated $22,000 in sales over the weekend. And prior to leaning on AI for help, I had been sitting at my computer just typing and retyping the same two sentences that just like wasn't sounding right for whatever reason that day. But by asking ChatGPT to help me, I was able to create a really excellent sounding email in a fraction of the time. And clearly it was effective and people decided to purchase through that email. 
And I think this is such an important skill to have that I am actually adding sections right now to my SEO Made Simple course to show you how to use ChatGPT to speed up your blog writing process. You can use it to jog ideas for keyword research, to figure out the best ways to structure your website, for blog post outlines, blog post titles, meta descriptions, intros and outros, and even to help you write various sections of your content, of course, depending on the type and topic of the content you're creating. So your action item as a business owner is to start playing around with ChatGPT and see what it can do. If you're a student in my SEO Made Simple course, keep an eye out for new videos. I'm aiming for them to come out maybe in April or so with strategies on integrating AI into your blogging workflow to increase your productivity. I'll show you how to use AI to come up with blog topic and keyword research ideas, how to use it throughout the entire blog writing process, and even how to leverage AI tools for the next steps after you're done writing a post. Things like creating content for social media, sending out an email to your list, or even responding to things like Haro queries. So if you want to get on the list to be notified about these updates, if you're not a current student, you can add your name to the waitlist at seowaitlist.com. Right now, enrollment for the course is currently closed as I go through and make these updates, but the only way to get access to the new launch, essentially, like the new cart open period when the updates are done, will be if you're on the waitlist. So go to seowaitlist.com and add your name there if you're interested. But above all, um, my goal here with this new content I'm creating in the course is to help you make sure that you're creating high quality content that demonstrates your experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness so that it has a good chance of ranking well in Google, regardless of whether you use AI in your content creation process or not. The kind of the third question, what will AI generated responses in the search results do to organic traffic and SEO tactics? And that is the huge question on so many people's minds. But honestly, until this stuff completely rolls out, it's all just speculation. But for what it's worth, I am in the cautiously optimistic camp. Things change constantly in the online landscape. And while our tactics may have to change over time to keep up, the idea of getting organic traffic from search is not going to go away entirely. A few things to keep in mind. Number one, people are slow to change their behaviors. I was recently listening to the Blogging Millionaire podcast uh, and caught Brandon Gailey's thoughts on the future of AI and search. He made the comparison to the freakout that people had a few years ago about the rollout of featured snippets in Google search results and how people at the time were clamoring on and on about how SEO was dead and no one would click on websites anymore if they could get the answer in the featured snippet. If you don't know what featured snippets are, they're those boxes that you sometimes see at the top of the Google search results where there's some text from a website that's highlighted, typically answering your search query in a direct and concise way without you really having to click on that person's website to see the answer. However, that snippet box is clickable. So if people want to learn more, they can click on the snippet box and visit your website. And then underneath the feature snippet, you find the regular search results listed right underneath that people can visit as well. So for example, if you wanna see this in the wild, if you search for the keyword acai versus blueberry, you will see that my website, Nutritionist Answers, currently has the featured snippet for that keyword. It shows an excerpt from our site and it says, quote, acai is tart and bitter due to its low sugar content and provides more fat than most fruits, while blueberries are sweeter, higher in carbohydrates, and contain almost no fat. 
Fresh, dried, and canned blueberries are readily available in the United States, while acai can typically only be found as frozen puree, juice, or powder. And the current fear with AI and search is that for queries like this that have straightforward-ish answers that can at least partially be answered in a featured snippet, uh, the fear is that those clickable featured snippets, which currently do drive organic traffic to websites, will be replaced with an AI-generated answer and possibly just have that hover link to the source's website. But it might be much less obvious where people should click to visit the source material and perhaps click-through rates to websites are going to drop dramatically. Whether or not this actually happens remains to be seen, but Brandon's advice was like, hey, we've had similar levels of freakouts with featured snippets, but we all adapted and survived and things continued on. Like sure, SEO may have changed a bit, but it's very much still a thriving thing. I have a hunch that the same will be true of AI, at least initially. People will still want answers and content from people, not just AI. So I think one way that you can attempt to future-proof yourself is to take a look at the type of content you're creating on your site. If most of it is informational in nature, answers to questions that Google could easily summarize with AI, you might want to start dabbling with creating types of content that AI can't easily create. That way, even if AI totally decimates click-through rates, you will still have content on your site that people really have to visit your site to read, and that can't be easily summarized by AI. Think things like product reviews, where people want to read an in-depth review done by a person, or watch a video of the product being used and reviewed, etc. Or any type of original content you can create, like original data or reporting that others haven't already created. Uh, or something like recipes. I know people in SEO, some people in SEO, think that food blogs are kind of ripe for disruption and that there's lots of people out there that just want the recipe and they don't want all the supporting content around it. But personally, I disagree with that. As someone who actually cooks, I value the content that explains the recipe and the comments and the reviews that give feedback and tips when I'm selecting which recipe to make. And I personally would never want to cook an AI-generated recipe that had never been tested by a human, um, but to each their own, I guess. But humans also have a level of personal experience that AI will never have. So I think creating content that highlights your personal experiences and expertise will help you still get website visits, even if AI can answer the query on a more surface level. Or perhaps the AI answers that are generated with clickable citations will still get good click-through rates when people want to learn more. And maybe what will change is that we'll all start trying to understand how the AI tools pick the sources to link to in their responses, and we'll all start trying to optimize for placement within the AI-generated answers, much like we're trying to target featured snippets today. But like I said, most of this is is just conjecture at this point. No one knows for sure yet how everything's going to play out. So we just need to watch what happens and tweak our strategies accordingly. But like I said, another point that Brandon made in his podcast was about how people are extremely slow to change their behaviors. So even if AI responses start being featured in the search results, a large portion of people who use Google are probably very set in their ways. So even if the answer is at least partially given right there in the search results, they may be so used to looking for an organic search result and clicking on it that they'll continue to perform that behavior for quite some time just because that's what they're used to and how they already know how to find information. So I know, can you imagine like your grandma using Google and like 
the AI response pops up and they just they're just like, what is this? And just scroll past it. And they're like, click on the first actual link because that's what they know. Like there's going to be some percentage of people who's just do that out of habit. So even if AI is a massive success, complete behavior change by Google users is not going to happen overnight. And we as content creators will probably have time to react and adapt to the changes as people modify their own search behaviors. Another thing people are curious about is how the legal side of this will all go down. Some people argue that AI is basically stealing content from online publishers like bloggers who would normally earn ad revenue when people visit their website to read their content. They're arguing that AI is basically take aggregating essentially all of their content, spinning it, and then presenting the same ideas to searchers. And in some respect, this is true. The bots are trained on data sets of published content, and with GPT-4, it will be able to learn from all the content published on the web. So some people think there may be legal battles ahead, where publishers attempt to be compensated for their content that's being used to train AI, or some people might try to block AI bots from crawling their content and using it in their responses. But the argument that AI has, on the flip side, is that it's not plagiarism or copyright infringement because they aren't taking anything verbatim from someone else. They're just consolidating already existing information into an easy to consume format. And if, like the examples we've seen from Bing, they're also citing the sources and linking back to them, then it is pretty hard to argue that they aren't giving proper attribution either. I also saw a really interesting blog post from a journalist who was testing out the Bing search chatbot, and when they asked the bot a really specific detailed question about a topic that they had previously written a news article about, the chatbot actually gave them a factually incorrect answer. So in this example, the incorrect fact was related to a date in which the stock price for a company was promised to double or else the company would compensate shareholders for the difference. And the correct date that this was set to be, uh, they needed to double by or they would have to compensate people, was by the end of 2024. But the AI response, the chatbot, kept saying that the date was October 2023, despite that date never appearing in the press release or any of the news articles. And one of the news articles that the bot was reading and pulling info from was written by the journalist who was chatting with the bot. So the journalist questioned the chatbot, like, where did you get this date? And he went back and like double checked all the sources just to make sure he wasn't wrong. And it all said end of 2024. And then the chatbot was like, oh, I got the date from the source material. But then the journalist kept pressing and they're like, well, where exactly did you get it? I don't see it. And then the answer from the chatbot suddenly changed and they were like, oh, actually, it's end of 2024. And they claimed that they never said October 2023 and that the user must have misinterpreted their response or there were inconsistencies with the information online. So the journalist was like, no, you told me the wrong thing earlier and copy pasted the original response back to them and was like, no, you told me the wrong date. And then the chatbot finally admitted, oh, they're like, oh, I made a mistake. I meant to say October 2024, not October 2023. But that's still wrong since the correct answer was the vague response end of 2024, not October 2024. 
So they pointed out the mistake again, and then the chatbot corrected itself again. It asked for forgiveness. It even used a sad face emoji. And then the journalist asked why the bot made this mistake, and it actually admitted it was because it, quote, wasn't paying enough attention to the information in the press release in its effort to give an answer quickly. It said it overlooked the exact date. And the journalist then told the bot that he was upset because he was the one who wrote the news article that the bot initially said was inconsistent with the information in the press release. And that was not true. (laughs) They all said end of 2024. And then the journalist asked if he had legal rights against this false claim and damage to his journalistic reputation. And the excuse that the chat bot gave was there was no legal recourse because this chat was not published on the web. It was just a response to his question that he didn't intend any harm uh, and that the display of the information from the search results doesn't constitute online publication. So while this story and example is obviously a very niche example, I do think it opens up some really real cans of worms regarding the veracity of AI responses and the consequences of it giving incorrect responses, especially in such a confident manner, even when challenged directly. I imagine that if this one small example occurred, there could be many other similar scenarios that could happen. And if AI chat is giving off, giving out incorrect information very confidently, even though it's clearly wrong, is that a good experience for the search user? And is that something that Google or Bing would want to continue to promote? I don't know. If nothing else, it definitely gives us a lot to think about. But I do think that there is a common thread here that will serve all of us moving forward, regardless of how AI changes content creation and search. And that is the importance of building a brand, not just a collection of articles designed to rank on Google and bring traffic. Ask yourself, would someone visiting your website want to bookmark it or send it to a friend? Do you have a clear person you're serving with your content? Are you solving a real problem or need with your online brand? If the answer is no, you probably have some work to do. If you really want to future-proof yourself against algorithm changes or just industry changes in general, the best way to do that is to build a loyal following. If you find your people and your children, serving them, and it only what happens in the landscape. If people have a connection to you, your email or something like that, then even if you love even if social media profiles or your whole website was banned from search, still business via direct communication with your fans. So I would always, always, always be thinking about your people first. Who do you serve and what value do you actually provide? and then work on fostering that connection via your email list whenever possible. In my opinion, that's the best possible thing you can do to protect yourself in this quickly changing environment. And let me flesh this out for you a bit to really drive it home. I'll use some of my own projects as examples. For example, with my old food blog, I struggled in this arena. I did not have a clear person I was creating recipes for or a clear reader I was trying to attract. My website was more of a random personal journal with the things I happened to be cooking, rather than an actual helpful resource for someone else. So in that scenario, even if I had learned about SEO back in the day and had been targeting high-volume, low-difficulty keywords, 
I would have still struggled a bit in my content creation because I lacked that clear filter about who I was creating content for when choosing my keywords. So if I really asked myself the questions I posed earlier about whether people would bookmark my site or share it with a friend, or if it was clear who I was serving and solving problems for, the answer would definitely be no. And because of that, my content would probably continue to lack cohesion and clear messaging until I honed that ideal reader avatar in. Same thing in the nutrition space. If you're out there writing about any possible topic under the sun because you think it's a good opportunity to rank for a keyword, in my opinion, you're setting yourself up for trouble in the long run. You are not creating a website that actually serves someone. You're creating one-off pieces of content that helps a bunch of different people. But Google, in their quality rater guidelines, says that it wants to reward content from sources that are considered go-to authorities in their niches. And how will you ever become a go-to authority on anything if you have no focus? I think the answer is clear that you won't. And for that reason, I've been really trying to drive home the importance of niching down and having a clear purpose for your site and your online brand in order to continue to do well in search in 2023 and beyond. Of course, if SEO is not playing a role at all in your online business plans, then by all means, continue to do whatever is working for you. But if you want to continue to see good results from SEO, trying to become an authority on something is very, very important. So those are my current thoughts about the impact of AI right now and what we can do as online business owners to adapt our businesses accordingly. The main take-homes that I'd like you to glean from this episode are that change is inevitable and AI is here to stay. Don't panic, but rather stay curious and flexible and be willing to tweak your strategy in response to the changing online landscape. Yes, AI probably is going to change search behavior, but I do not think it will be the end of SEO. Additionally, we should embrace the ways that AI can actually enhance our current workflows and help us create high-quality content faster so that we can even better serve our audiences. You won't go wrong by always bringing it back to that core idea. Who are you serving and how can you continue to provide value to those people with a continued emphasis on staying in touch with them in ways that you actually control, like your email list, via paid offerings, etc.? So that's it for my thoughts on AI right now. This is such an emergent area, area though, so I'm sure I'll be back on the podcast with even more AI-related thoughts in the coming months as things continue to be rolled out. If you'd like to keep in touch and be sure to get all of these latest updates, I have two action items for you. Number one, subscribe to this podcast on the platform of your choice so that you receive all the latest episodes and updates. And number two, add your name to the waitlist for my SEO Made Simple course, if you're not already on it, uh, so that you can be notified when my latest round of course updates are complete and you'll get the opportunity to enroll when the course opens back up again. And you can add yourself to the list at seowaitlist.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.